Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm sitting outside right now in my backyard. I should potentially be recording this in an enclosed space for sound purposes, but it's so beautiful out right now, and let's just pretend that we're hanging out outside in my backyard and having this conversation that you get to now be a part of by tuning in. I'm so thrilled you're tuning in to this episode. Today, we are talking about the relationship between our mental health and our physical health. I invited Crystal from Expecting and Empowered onto the podcast. She's a physical therapist. And in this episode, we explore the relationship between our body, those aches, those pains, those physical symptoms, and how they are so intimately connected to our emotional well-being and our mental health. We explore and discuss the different ways in which we can be incorporating, <laughs> you hear those wind chimes, it's getting windy. <laughs> we explore some of the ways in which you can be incorporating movement into your every, every day as a busy parent or as someone who's expecting or postpartum. I share some of my own relationship with exercise and movement and I'm so excited that you're tuning in and that we get a chance to spend the next 45-ish minutes with each other. All right, you ready? Let's go. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and to have this conversation. It's really great to see your face and to connect in real time. And I'm really excited about our topic today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I feel like this is the blend of both our little worlds coming together and will serve your guys' audience so well. I'm really excited. Before we dive in, can you share a little bit about yourself with our listeners? A little bit about you and what you're passionate about and the work you do, what lights you up, and also maybe a little bit about your family. Yes. So my name is Crystal Howald. I am a mother of three. So now they're six, four, and three years old. So there once was a time, though, that I had three under the age of three. So I know a little bit about postpartum anxiety and overwhelm and overstimulated nervous systems. Mm, I'm also the co-founder of Expecting Empowered with my sister, Amy, which is a pregnancy and postpartum workout guide. So I'm a physical therapist, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist, but really I feel like I've found my life's calling and life work and my passion is teaching people more about their bodies and helping them through this very challenging time. Mm, and you do such a beautiful, engaging, and connecting way of bringing all those pieces together through social media. That's how I initially found you and your sister's work and your business and all the different beautiful resources that you have for folks navigating the season of life. And I love your videos and I love the work that you guys are doing. It's so important. And what I really love about us coming together to have this conversation today is there is such an intimate connection between 
physical, emotional, mental, relational health. It is something I, from the very beginning of my career, have always been very interested in. I was trained actually as a medical family therapist, and so I did all my training at a family medicine clinic, received all my referrals from the doctors and the nurses, and you know worked in their offices, in their exam rooms with, with their patients. And what was so beautiful about that experience was that a lot of people will first will feel the stress of their life or the pain of their when it comes whether it's a mental health challenge or struggle or a relational struggle or a life transition a lot of times their body will be the first to signal to them that like something's going on you know i can actually think my first client that i ever saw as a therapist she went to her doctor and was complaining about um, like neck pain and back pain, um, difficulty sleeping. Um, was at, was feeling also was also experiencing some stomach problems, and went to her doctor. And through their conversation, and fortunately because of the way that we were integrated into that healthcare system, the doctor, you know, through the question was able to identify that she was really struggling um, in her experience, in her transition into becoming a mother. Um, The doctor didn't really know exactly, is this postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression? Is this um, more like lack of support? Is this just like, oh my gosh, this is really stressful and I'm sleep deprived and navigating, you know, life with a newborn? Um, But definitely knew that bringing me in would be something helpful so that I could assess, that I could connect, so that I could support in kind of bridging some of these connections between what was showing up as physical symptoms and making the connections to what was showing up for her in terms of, um, you know, this big life transition and her mental health and her emotional and relational wellness. And that was my first client ever. And from because of those experiences, I, I am very deeply interested in understanding the way that these things show up in our bodies, where we hold tension, how our body can actually be one of the first to signal to us that there's something else, there's something going on here that we want to maybe be curious about, take a closer look at or get some support around. And so I'm so I love working with other professionals that have the expertise in the physical, um, the physical health and the ways in which these things can can show up physically in our bodies because we want to address if we can address both and if we can work together, then that individual or that family that's struggling is going to be so much better off and so much more holistically supported. So I'm so thrilled for us to be diving in today and, and kind of bridging these things as you as you said. And maybe to start us off, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how our physical bodies are connected and intertwined with our mental health and our emotional wellness and our relationships too. Yeah. And I think you are spot on. The body, sometimes when we're getting those physical symptoms, it's just another way to get our brain's attention. Because so often we are so busy that we sometimes are not in tune with our own body. So again, sometimes it literally is just dragging you down like an anchor, like, hello, can you address me? And sometimes those physical (laughs) symptoms, though, are going to be best suited by helping the mental health side. So when I think of these two things for me as a physical therapy standpoint, so obviously my training's more from the physical aspect of it, but the older and the wiser of a PT I get, I cannot think of these things being almost like uh, those Chinese finger traps where they're so interwoven that they literally can't be separated. Now, I love the model that you were talking about and kind of that experience that you got to be a part of. But what I also do think is that our medical system and the way that we're taught really puts these two things in different subsets. So like two different, completely different baskets. Yep. And they literally go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, and so I've just seen it in the clinic time and time again. Like one of the patients that I just saw recently, she had like a plantar fascial foot problem. And 
literally she looks like it's so mechanical. Like my PT brain's like, oh, her hip's not moving into extension. So her foot's getting extra stress and all these different things. But she also was going through a really trying time because she was going through a divorce of a long marriage. And when she went to therapy and with um, an energy healer that I see in the area, you guys, she went to one session and it was like 10 times better than the 10 sessions I had done on her foot, just the physical. So again, like we can't separate the two of these things. And um, from a physical side, one of the most basic things is kind of like, if you think of our body, we have hierarchies, right? So our brain, our spinal cord, some of the nerves that control those are like the top of the top dogs, right? Those are the biggest players in the system. And so they have so much control over our physical and mental well-being and health. So one of those that we see in the clinic a lot and also um, like specifically in our workouts with Expecting and Empowered that we're indirectly addressing is that vagus nerve. Mm. Our vagus nerve, um, just to go into like a little anatomy geeking out, which I could Uh do all day, but we won't bore your listeners, is one of the main nerves that controls our parasympathetic nervous system. So this system is so important to our vital functions, such as digestion, which is like that patient that you were just talking about, mm-hmm. heart rate, and then our immune system. So all of these functions you think of as pretty involuntary. We can't really consciously control them, but really we do have a lot of control over them. So that sounds like an oxymoron, right? It sounds counterintuitive. But we can actually decrease the amount of tension on our vagus nerve if we are more upright, have great head and neck mobility, this area does not get stuck. And also we have such control over this with breathing. Mm. So every time we breathe, especially the nice deep inhales and exhales, that forceful exhale really stimulates that vagus nerve to lower our heart rate calm down our thoughts, our, it decreases like that amped up system in the, our immune system. So, you know, when your body's like fighting itself or fighting something, a lot of depression is linked with um, increased inflammation in the body. So one way that we could decrease that inflammation is really having this healthy vagus nerve So ways that we're doing that with expecting and empowered through movement is we're getting our upper backs or our mid backs to have mobility in them. We're also working on strengthening shoulder blade strength so that, you know, when you feel tension in your neck and you're like trying to work out that little like kink in your neck or when you're stressed, your like shoulders go up to your ears. And I always say, Jesus does not need any more shoulders up there. He's got plenty going up north or whoever you believe in. Um, We just carry so much. Like it can feel like the weight of the world on our shoulders. And we're almost like driving this vagus nerve problem as well when we're doing that, right? So we're, we're physically feeling the symptoms. We feel that mentally. That's where some people have like the runs, constipation, those GI symptoms. So again, keeping this area super healthy is vital to kind of our mental health as well. And a lot of women, the tricky part is if you think about it, so again, just to go over like a smidge of anatomy, our diaphragm lives on our lower ribs. So like kind of like right by our, the bottom of our bra line, this is the area that we want to breathe into. What the breath should look like is a 360 degree breath. What I mean by that is when we breathe deeply, the sides of our ribs should move out and the front and the back. Well, when we're pregnant and then postpartum, breath always moves to the area of ease which if you think about it, hello, stretched out abdominals. The breath is so easy to move there because there's no restriction there. And then women in that postpartum period, and especially at the end of pregnancy, are stuck in what's called this inhalation phase. Their ribs can actually get wider. And so one way you would really know if that happened is if all of a sudden you were like a 34B 
And then you were a 36B. Like you can't fit into your old bras anymore or your 34B used to be super comfy and all of a sudden it's like hanging on by dear life. So that would mean that our ribs actually have expanded out and some women naturally come back in a little bit after labor and delivery and a lot get stuck in this inhalation phase. So again, Mm. that's not optimizing our mental health or our physical health. So really focusing on that exhalation. So it's so simple to So like when I'm taking care of baby, those car seats are heavy, right? So every time I'm lifting it, I really want to focus on exhaling like. And then that too, if you were to use this analogy of like, you know, when you're like coming up to the stoplight and you step on a brake, it should be like a nice, slow, slow stop to the stop sign. Well, most women exhale like they are the lead foot on the brake, right? They exhale and then it's done. We never want to exhale like that. We really want this like slow control where we're exhaling everything out. And again, this is going to help decrease the amount of stress that we feel in our bodies and have a little bit control over something that we didn't think we had any control over. Oh my gosh. Okay. So much of what you said here, I want to highlight and unpack. Okay. So the first piece being the this that the parasympathetic system that you kind of described. So there's there's the two systems, right? There's that sympathetic system, which is our fight flight response when there is some sort of stressor, and that can work so beautifully when we have right like a real identifiable threat, and we either need to turn that system on to get you know to pump blood to our muscles to help us flee or to give us the strength and the energy and the focus, that tunnel vision, to fight, right? Or to, um, again, I, I use that word tunnel vision because that is what kind of happens when this fight or flight response, ha- you know, is turned on, which can well, really it's there, get us- it's there to protect us, right? Yeah, that system exactly. protects us. But sometimes, too, we can get that system to be dysfunctional where we mm. always think we're supposed to be fighting or we always yes. think we're supposed to be fleeing, Hello, anxiety, right? Yes. So like there's there's the there's fear, which mm-hmm. it shows up when there's, you know, a real identifiable threat. Um, and then there's anxiety where there's like all the potential threats and things that could happen. And our beautiful brains are so creative and can come up with all sorts of scenarios, but can turn on that same system, that fight or flight system where, and freeze and fawn, there's other, there's other responses as well, um, where we all of a sudden are catastrophizing or getting that tunnel vision where we can't, we, it's it's really hard to look at the whole picture, right? Oof. And when that response is turned on and isn't getting a chance to turn off, right? Like, you know, an animal has that same response and when it gets away from the predator, turns it off and goes back into parasympathetic mode, which you mentioned is that rest and digest mode. But for us as human beings, we could be totally safe in our homes or in our cars and that sympathetic system is going. And what happens there, right, is your body's like, oh, we don't need to worry about digestion right now because we are trying to get away from this threat, right? Or we don't need to worry about or, you know, our the breath is like that very like, right? And like you're you're having that really shallow breath that's going shallow into your breathing. chest. Yes. And like, but there's no, it, that system's turning on thinking, okay, there's like a lion chasing us or something right now. So we don't need to worry about digesting food and, you know, we, we need to just like pump quick oxygen to our muscles. But if, if we aren't, if we aren't shifting the gear, right, if that's just like a chronic sort of state that we're in, then there's going to be a lot of physical repercussions, right? You're going to feel that. You're going to feel um, tightness in your chest. You're going to feel – you're going to have irritable bowel syndrome or you're going to have – you're not going to have an appetite or you're going to have diarrhea and you're like, what's – why is my stomach like – freaking so clenched or why am I always like, why can't I like keep food in? Um, Why do I have so much tension like in my muscles? Well, oh my gosh, your body is responding to as if there is a lion chasing. Yeah. Right. Like, 
And so then there's that parasympathetic response that you said is one that we really want to begin to be able to sort of tone the muscle of being able to shift gears back into that parasympathetic space, which is that rest and digest response. And one of the beautiful ways that we can do that is through our breath and through this vagus nerve. And people people hear this, right? And I'm sure maybe the listener is like, oh my gosh, are they really going to spend the next like 40 minutes talking about breath? Like, I know, I know a therapist and physical therapist like telling me like I got to learn to like take deep breaths. But really, and yet I love, I love how you're really kind of like unpacking this into why this is so valuable and important and such a critical tool. You're doing it all the time anyway. And right. our breath Why not is do actually, it right. Right. And it's 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 sending signals to your brain, right? Of like danger, threat, or or like rest, digest, presence, connection, like landing where you are and being able to like expand your awareness. Like to be able to do those things, to be able to, and let's just use like a parenting example, to be able to create space between our child triggering us or our partner triggering us and having like a big reaction, one that we might <laughs> end up feeling guilty or ashamed of later, in order, a beautiful way to create that space in that pause is a breath. And hey, mm-hmm. if in that breath we can actually trigger this vagus nerve, which is going to help our brain access more, you know, logical, rational, critical thinking skills, like why not do that? And so one of the, I don't know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. One of my favorite ways of engaging that deeper breathing, because um, like you said, I notice, and it's so interesting, I never thought about this, but yes, during pregnancy and then postpartum, I feel like I was always trying to catch a breath. So a lot mm-hmm. of focus on that inhale, like, oh, I'm just trying to like create some space like in my ribs. Um, and so a lot of focus on that inhale, but not a lot of energy on the exhale. The exhale was just like, okay, now get the breath out. But like, now I'm trying to get breath back in. And really what we are trying to trigger in that vagus nerve is through the exhale. One of the ways that I do it um, that I've found works for me and breath is such an intimate thing. We got to find what just feels right for us, whether it's the breathing itself or how we're visualizing it. For me is an inhale and then on the exhale, making a shushing sound. And what I find is like when I do that, I I do kind of visualize like my shoulders just kind of like melting down a little, but also that shushing has this vibration to it, which um, I found really seems to trigger that vagus nerve for me with that like vibration. Um, But also mutually beneficial if you have a crying baby (laughs) that you're carrying or a toddler Making that shushing sound, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like white noise. It has a soothing effect for those around us as well. So that sort of beautiful like mirror moment of like I'm self-soothing myself and hey, this might have the, the beautiful side effect of self-soothing those around me as well. And it's because it's audible – my, my older kids now, it signals to them that I'm taking a moment to regulate myself. And so just lots of lots of mutual benefits there. Um, but definitely is really kind of connects to this relationship between physical symptoms that my brain is signaling to me like, hey, like triggered. Hey, like anxiety just in the driver's seat. Hey, rage is like <laughs> – right, bubbling out of your throat, Um, you know, whether it's tightness in my chest or my stomach sensations, head sensations. Sometimes I feel it also like in my fingertips and extremities, which I think is more that like fight flight mode. Um, Yeah. But like getting to know these signals is so powerful because as we're talking about here, it can sometimes clue us in before it's totally landed in our awareness that it's anxiety or that it's anger or that it's sadness or that it's overwhelm. Our body will let us know. And if we don't pay attention, it'll eventually scream at us. <laughs> would, would you agree? 
Oh yeah, that's why my clinic's full. My schedule is full. <laughs> oh yeah, and. Another thing that you said earlier was like, you know, once you got this client to go get some support for her emotional wellness and her mental health, that you guys were seeing each other less because it was really addressing some of these things. And on the flip side, I'll say in in my office, in my work with my clients, one of the first things I'll ask them is, you know, when is, you know, if someone's struggling with anxiety or depression um, and they're sharing some of the symptoms um, ruminating thoughts or, you know, feeling like they're ha- having a difficult time focusing. Um, I'll often ask them, when did you last see your doctor or when was your last physical? Because if there is something underlying physically that's going on and that's not getting addressed, we could be working with each other for months and not necessarily feel that movement. And for instance, you know, there's thyroid, you know, thyroid issues. And yes. if someone's thyroid is out of whack, thyroid can totally be connected to anxiety and depression, um, hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism. And if we don't address that, then we're not actually addressing the underlying root cause. And so getting blood work done, you know, following up with your providers, making sure that we're addressing those things is oftentimes like first on the to-do list, um, just so that we can make sure that there isn't something else going on before before we dive in and really start to do the work of developing a new relationship with anxiety. Oh my goodness. I feel like we need to join practices. Me <laughs> and the OB that checks all the hormones are like best friends because I've sent her so many patients. Because yeah. I do think that is literally just a fundamental thing that a lot of pregnancy and postpartum moms aren't getting. And again, all those hormones play into those top dogs. Like even myself, when you were talking about um, breathing, I was giggling in my head because I was thinking like, oh my gosh, the first time I went to therapy after my third baby, I just didn't feel like myself. And the first thing she told me was to breathe. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm paying you to tell me to freaking breathe. This is what I tell other people to do. And then and then my other favorite friend is the OB that's upstairs. And we literally, I act like, because I'm very like logical. So I act mm-hmm. like my body is a machine. And mm-hmm. we know that's not true. That's probably um, ishnate upon in your, your practice. But so like, I want to know what my hormones are at because when I did, I had thyroid problems and when my thyroid my thyroid is still not like where it needs to be but I can systematically work to make that better through different techniques whether that's um, some of the supplements she tells you but it literally feels like fog has been lifted you know like my thinking used to be so spotty and now it's definitely clear and the only thing that really did that again was that hormone rebalancing. So it can be Mm. so powerful. And again, I think the cool thing is like, whether it's your practice or my practice on more of the physical side, if you know you're not moving the ball, like you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. So I love having this little system of people to rely on to make sure that people are getting the right help in the right place that they need it. Yes. And you, you said, you know, like this, your body's a machine. You're like, maybe, maybe you don't, you don't like that. I'm like, I love that idea because I think that <laughs> some of us, like, it's just the way that our brain, our brain works. So like you got to find like, when it comes to the relationship with your body, what it, what is going to produce the most like caring, compassionate relationship with your body? And for some people, it's connecting like so I know some people that talk to their body as if, as if it's like a separate being. It's like they talk to the, like they refer to their bodies like she, like she deserves this, and like they, it's almost this like a little bit of space. But it's like because you would care, you would give so much care to someone else, like being able to refer to your body as this sort of like external sort of like entity sometimes just allows someone to talk about their body in a more like caring, compassionate way. Um, for some people, it's connecting with like their inner child, right? Um, for some people, it's you know connecting to the 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 bigger system, the bigger collective of of women. If we're talking about women, the women around them, right? And like our bodies, right? And like what what our bodies deserve. So the our or the she or the my my inner child or like 
my body is a machine because, hey, a machine does – think about your car. Like you take your car in for tune-ups. Like if your car isn't working, you're going to try to look at the big picture, right? Like or if any machine isn't working, like you're going to look at all the different parts to see how they're connected. And, you know, I know for a lot of folks, the way that their brain just works, that that's going to feel more – holistic, that's going to actually support them in showing more care to their body overall. So I, whether it's your relationship with your breath, your relationship with your body, I really do think that these are really personal and intimate and you've got to find what works for you, right? Um, In terms of developing that relationship with your body, with your emotions and how you talk to yourself or, or how you treat yourself. What do you think about that? Oh, I love that. And I feel like that is so spot on. And just knowing too, like, especially in motherhood, it's an evolution. It's like not like a destination where we reach and then I still am learning about my own body. And I, I'm an, like an athlete. My sister and I grew up in sports. We still are recreational athletes like at heart. So, you know, like having this connection with your body is such an evolution. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk here about movement. I know a lot of what you support your clients with and mothers through and, and parents through your business, a lot of it shows up as movement. You're always – you're all, and I love because you actually show us like what it looks like. So you're always like acting these things out or um, showing us what this looks like. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship between movement and mental health. And Primarily, the folks who are listening are in those early stages of parenthood, so they're either expecting or they're postpartum or they have toddlers or young children or busy lives. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the relationship between movement and mental health, and then what can this actually look like during this season of our life? Yes. So movement and mental health during the season can be so demanding because there's like so many things already going on physically, but I feel like there's so many benefits to moving. So there was a research study done at, at Duke, which looked at antidepressants versus exercise you guys, exercise knocked the antidepressants out of the water. Um, yeah. That's how much of an impact that it meant that it can have on our mental health. And again, there's so many physical benefits. Since moms always care more about the babies than they do <laughs> themselves, I just want to mm-hmm. list a couple of the physical benefits that you can have from exercise during pregnancy for baby. So mm-hmm. there's a decreased risk of you going into preterm delivery. Mm-hmm there's a decreased risk of going past term. Exercise has been shown to decrease the incidence of cord entanglement, decrease concerns with baby's health conditions, including the APGARD scores, which is a score of how healthy your baby is upon delivery. And then exercising mamas tend to have babies that sleep earlier through the night. So I don't know if anybody else needs more sleep as in in parenthood, but Mm. that is one. Also, babies are able to self-quiet themselves better than mamas that didn't engage in exercise. And then they also have improvements in heart health. At one year of age, the babies of exercising mamas perform slightly better on an infancy developing score, the Bailey scale. And then also five years of age, children of active mamas had less body fat, a generally higher increased intelligence score, and greater oral language skills. Oh my gosh. So it's important. I'm also connecting in here, like just with myself, like as you were saying these things, I felt the like the past me's moments of having, of knowing some of these things and feeling guilt or shame that I wasn't exercising. And it was really connected to this idea of how I was defining exercise and movement. Um, I think that it's interesting, like even when we, when we started this, this piece here, I, I use the word movement. And I think the word exercise is like this trigger for, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like this like trigger for me because I think that it's how I've defined exercise and the definition of exercise throughout my life has for sure come from all sorts of different sources. But, you know, 
when it comes to movement, like I I can connect with the fact that my body my body like I can move my body. And and movement is exercise. That's <laughs> right. Like, That's right. It's totally but like I I think back to when I was, you know, pregnant and I was like especially at this third pregnancy, I was sick throughout the whole pregnancy. I had two other children and was just so tired. Um, and the idea of exercise is like I knew how important it was. Yeah, but it can easily it take a backseat. Yes, it takes a backseat or it feels like too intimidating. Like mm-hmm. I – we have a Peloton and that I love – the thing is, is like I love – I love the seasons of my life when I'm actually getting on the Peloton. I love taking classes by Cody Rigsby. It literally – I feel <laughs> He's so- one of my favorite too. Yeah. I feel so good afterwards. But there's these seasons of my life where it sits there and collects dust and it just like every time I walk by it, it's like this reminder of like you're not exercising. You're not – But I think too though maybe you need to do some reframing of your thoughts around Mm -hmm. it, right? I think you're right. I love to think of exercise during this time period especially – as I used to call them exercise snacks, but now I'll call them movement snacks for you. But, <laughs> but movement is so important to our body, and it's not probably going to look like before you had kids. I was like yeah. a gym rat. I love being at the gym. I love the community aspect of the gym. Yeah. But I also know in this season, and I'm still in it, that it's just not able for me to go physically to the gym. Going there takes, you know, by the time you pack up, leave, come back, that's like an extra half hour to an hour of that plus exercising. That just, I can't do it. It's not in my time frame. But you know what is in my time frame? All of a sudden when I'm having like a slump time at work or even, you know, the kids are like getting a little crazy inside the house packing them up in a stroller, putting them in a stroller, walking around. That is a movement snack and a half. And you start to gather these little movement snacks or take some of the guesswork out of it. And then it becomes so much easier for mamas to do. And it doesn't have to look like a perfectly plattered exercise sampler that we think in our heads. Like if you don't do three days a week, you're not enough. Of course, there is like a baseline that we need to get to for physical benefits, but there's always going to be benefits to movement in general, whether that looks perfect or not perfect. Yes. Thank you for the reframe. And I – I'll say that like the Peloton has been collecting dust and I I really do want to get back into it because it I I remember how good it feels and I also I feel like this idea of like a movement snack is like I can hop on the bike with Cody Rigsby and like he can be up and like going for it whatever the range is that they're at and I can just be cruising but I'm still listening to the music I'm still moving my body I'm still engaged and I think it's really about this piece of like giving myself permission to like take ownership over the movement, right? And like actually listening to my body and connecting in with what feels good. And I've been getting into more of a routine lately with like throwing the toddler into the stroller and like going for a walk and listening to a podcast episode or not listening to anything because sometimes I just need like less information in my body, right? Less data for my brain to take in. But it has been like she's she's quiet, right? Like it, it's like soothing to her and it's soothing to me and it's it counts. I think that because a little bit of my, my history, I when I was in college, I was doing boot camps like a couple times a week. Um, I worked for the boot camp company. And so it was just like I got so much community from it and it was just so much part of my identity. And when I was pregnant with my first, I was doing all sorts of bar classes and like it was just – and that was my community. And I met so many other parents through that. And then, and then my child got older and then I had another child and then I had another and then I have a career. And I think that like because it doesn't look like it used to, it feels like it doesn't count or it, or it's too – it gets too like intimidating because it's not going to look like it, it used to. So it's not 
quote unquote enough. And I think that so, is well, where this is where your mental piece is totally. stronger than your physical piece. So yeah. you just got to move it a little bit. You you got to rely on the physical side to bring the mental side back a little bit. And to take, so that's why we're so passionate about expecting and empowered, because that's literally taking the guesswork out of it for moms. Because, too, during this time, what you should be doing for your body is definitely different sometimes than what we are doing um, and helping support our body. I know during my first pregnancy, I did like the boot camp type stuff. Like I am a very much like um, functional gym person with resistance training. And so I did that stuff, but that also increased a little bit of inflammation because there's probably a lot of things that I wasn't supposed to be doing. And my Mm. sister and I are both runners. And that piece, like when you're doing something that doesn't feel good with your body too, you're not going to keep going back to it, right? During pregnancy or postpartum, like it also doesn't feel good when you get interrupted with workouts. And I think that's really hard for moms that were active before because there's so many interruptions. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, just knowing like, okay, so in expecting and empowered, we for the pregnancy and some of the postpartum guide, you go through three rounds. But even if you got through just one of those rounds, um, our old high school cross country coach used to always say, something's better than nothing. And at the time you're like, dude, if I'm not winning, I'm not succeeding. But now as a mom, (laughs) I use that thing all the time. I am always telling myself, okay, unfortunately, I didn't get all the way through my stuff today, but I, something is better than nothing. Mm, Yes. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. And the interruption piece is so real in such a part of it. Um, because it just feels like, I think this also comes back to like the part of me that has always struggled with perfectionism, like, and, and like, it needs to be complete, right? Like it doesn't almost like it doesn't count unless it was perfect, unless it like was complete. And there's, so much work there that I've I've had to do for myself to like get to know that part of me because really what's underlying that perfectionism is anxiety and fear right and like if I could just be perfect then then it'll be then I'm in control then um, then I'll be safe and once I've done now that I've done some of that work and it still pops up but like it's definitely something that shows up for me and I have to kind of acknowledge that for myself that like this is enough, right? Like, yes, like it got interrupted. Oh, the baby just woke up from her nap and like I didn't get to finish this and now I'm not going to be able to finish it potentially. Like, but it was something and I moved my body and am I probably going to be a little bit more present and I potentially going to sleep better tonight because of that 10 minutes of movement that I got? Like, Totally. It counts. It's so, it, it, it counts. And I think that, um, in this season of my life, it's really, that's really taken an adjustment for me to like know, to, to, to really be able to regulate myself around those interruptions. Um, and just be- not- because we do know through research too, right? Cause what I'm kind of hearing is you're tired and you have a lot of stuff going on and then says, and it doesn't look perfect. You're not doing it. But one of the solutions is actually what we're creating a resistance wall up against, right? So we know through research that exercise improves our mood, improves our energy. Um, So again, it doesn't have to look perfect in the season of life. But if you're doing it, you get those little boosters so that you feel more energized or you feel like you have a little bit less strain on your time. It's so true. In my work, we talk a lot about like negative cycles or like cycles we get caught in with our partner or with our children or with ourselves, right? Um, And, you know, the cycle of like criticism or or negative self-talk or whatever it is. But there's also – we're like we're not – getting rid of a cycle and then there's no more cycles. Like it's just about like what's the cycle that we're in. And there's really – there's some really beautiful cycles that we can get into, right? Such as, you know, when we move our body, you're going to feel – you're going to have more energy and you're going to feel better. You're going to have that mood boost. It's going to be easier to feel present. And so, you know, you're going to – it's going to be a little bit easier to set aside the time and the boundaries for yourself and be away from your children because when you are with them, you feel – better and more present. So like there's also these like really powerful positive cycles that we can find ourselves, you know, getting into as well. And 
I know for me that movement can definitely be an opening um, of a shifting into a more positive cycle for myself. And sometimes it really is just like I don't I, I don't want to get outside, but it's just like putting on the shoes and like putting like, like faking it till I make it, right? Like just putting it into motion, into action. Um, and then and then releasing myself from some of those uh, pretty rigid expectations that can sometimes pop up that perfection will whisper in my ear. I know that you guys have you guys have an app, don't you? Because I'm thinking about like this idea of like, you know, just like the, the moments that we have, like these little little doses of movement. And I would love to hear a little bit more about some of the resources that you guys have for for parents. Yeah. So um, our app is Expecting and Empowered. So you can find it in the App Store or on Google Play Store. And so um, we've kind of taken the guesswork, you know, how you're like, yeah. I love Cody Rigsby or I love just like <laughs> doing something, but I don't know what to do. And that's a barrier, right? Okay. So one of the books I read was Atomic Habits. And one of the problems with people sometimes is that if there's another barrier and another barrier and another barrier. So with the app, we've kind of taken that barrier out for mamas. For pregnancy, it's really cool because there's predictable things that happen during pregnancy. And like those kind of aches and pains can be thought of as normal. And really, the wording should be that they're common, but they're not normal. We Mm, really want to have like, quote unquote, some of these like pain free or um, decreased pain pregnancies. And I think some of these things have been just chalked up to pregnancy, which are very controllable. So when we did the guides, we basically went through and we're like, okay, let's look at the research. What's common? SI joint pain, sciatica, headaches during pregnancy. And then we literally worked backwards to decrease the amount of problems that you're going to have as you go through pregnancy. So a lot of the moms that use the guide feel less of these aches and pains. And then people, well, that one almost killed me when we created that. And then my sister is like, people want the postpartum guide. And I was like, I like need time off. She's like, we don't have time. People are wilting away. And I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. But she, so then, so then we went into the postpartum guide, which is yeah. really the opposite of that. It's really hitting the control alt delete button for your body. Just like sometimes when you go to therapy and you have to hit the control alt delete button for your mm-hmm. brain, you're stuck in those negative cycles and we want to spin them to the positive. And obviously it's not that simple, but with fitness, we just are doing the the working from the ground up. So like if we're building a house, we want a nice solid foundation. And so the, from the fitness wise for a mom, that foundation, and again, it's going to sound quirky, is going into that breathing, the core work. So our abs, our back, our pelvic floor, our diaphragm before we start doing the other stuff. We just came out with... Uh, elevated and expecting guide, which is like the advanced version of the postpartum guide. It's like basically when you're done with a postpartum guide, that's what you do. And that has a lot of jumping and very dynamic movements into it. So it's like you would love that sometimes when you um, like because you said you like the boot camp and the like increase your heart rate, weights, increase your heart rate, weights, stuff like that. So that's that version. But you can't do that version until you've done the basics. So with the postpartum guide, we're really working on those basics so that we can set our bodies up for success long after our baby bearing years are over because um, they've done some really cool studies where like, okay, let's say you had incontinence. They looked at moms that had incontinence and then they actually looked at them 15 years down the road. Well, if you had any incontinence during pregnancy, so you when you cough, laugh, sneeze, stress incontinence would be a, even a drop of urine. That is like a warning sign to your body that something's going on because those moms that had that incontinence but it went away in that postpartum period for a little bit, they were like 50 times more likely to have urinary and stress incontinence than somebody that didn't have it during their pregnancy at all. So we can put these really protective barriers in for moms to take care of our physical health because we also know too with incontinence, that's one of the top three leading factors for depression. If you think about it, like how we feel sometimes totally affects like our brain and our mood and our self-esteem. So these small 
I shouldn't say so, but these naggy things during pregnancy and then can become big, bigger and big things like prolapse, incontinence. All these things are so important to make sure that a mama is succeeding physically and mentally in this period. Oh my gosh. As you're talking, I was like, this is, this is totally, this, I, I, I know these are things, but like I'm relating to them because I definitely had incontinence during my last pregnancy and Recently, we were we had some really stressful stuff going on for one of our kids, and I was all of a sudden having incontinence again. And I went to the doctor because I was like, "What's going on here?" And we they ran like some tests and stuff, and then they asked me about stress, and I'm like, mm, "Yeah, this is this stuff's been going on," and that was totally it. It was stress stress induced and. It's just it just really speaks again to like the relationship between the mental health and emotional wellness in our bodies and how important it is that when something it, when you're struggling with something to not just not just wait it out, right? To get support. You deserve support as soon as possible. Like you don't just need to live with this like stomach pain or muscle pain or incontinence, like going and getting support as soon as you can um, because you're worthy of it, but also like it's absolutely can be connected to the mental health piece too. And And um, I think one big point is that you guys don't want to wait sometimes. We are younger and our body is more physically resilient when we're young like this. And what happens or what tends to happen with mommy is, is we just like are just like our slate's full. We're going to wait till our next season of life. Then the next season of life comes in your carpooling kids around. And then I've literally had like high school patients on my table in the clinic. Like they're coming in for some like track thing. And I'm like talking to the mom as she's sitting there and she's telling me about like, I have sciatica and I'm leaking. I'm like, literally get off the table. You have like some (laughs) naked minor, minor, minor knee pain. Why? I've literally switched them before where they have to switch. But the only reason that I could do that is because she was there with our child. But we have this tendency to put ourselves at the bottom. And again, it bleeds into the other people that we're trying to protect anyways. So taking care of your physical self is like, now thing. It's not like a next season thing. Oh my gosh. So true. (laughs) Uh, Crystal, this has been such an amazing conversation to have with you. I'm so grateful to be connected. Where can our listeners find you and continue to connect with and learn from you? Yes. So at expectingandempowered.com, we have a blog there. And then also we're in the app store for the pregnancy and postpartum workout guides. And on Instagram, we're always sharing free resources because our passion really is just to give you guys the most education that you can in this busy season of life. And that's at expecting and empowered on Instagram. So we'd love if you would give us a follow there. I will be sure to include links to all this in the show notes for the listener to go straight to, to just click and find you guys. Crystal, again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so wonderful to chat with you. So grateful. Thank you for having me.